How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Wired In. I'm your host, Blake Johnson, and my co-host, Spencer Coles, is, as always, joining us as we do this show together. How you doing, Spencer? Absolutely. Not too bad, man. Been a, been a nice sunny day where I've uh, been at. So it's been... A nice sunny day in the neighborhood, yeah. yes, yes. It's yeah. In the neighborhood. Yeah. It's... It's been kind of a roller coaster ride for the Midwest, um, as far as temperatures Dude, going. I mean, real. it's been ridiculous. really cold, and now there's supposed to be like record level um, heat in Texas in the next few days, and uh, it's just. It, it, I mean, it's been near 50 here the past couple of days too, so it's <laughs> already getting muddy again. But yeah, yeah. fun, fun times. Uh, man, we we have a. I'd say a few things to talk about today. I don't know just, just a few. how many of these that you've heard of, Spencer, but uh, some of these i just seen recently, and strangely enough, not many people are talking about it, but I thought, well, this seems like a big story. Um, so what should, we, what should we talk about first? I know we want to get into our thoughts on WandaVision so far. I think episode seven was the one that recently came out, and there's like two episodes left. Um, and then I think Disney plus announced that there's going to be like a, kind of like what they did with the Mandalorian when they did a gallery behind the scenes, they're doing that with WandaVision, which I think is okay. That'll be neat. pretty interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they, uh, came about some of the concepts for the show. Um, and then I think right after the season ends is when, um, Falcon and the winter soldier starts, um, their first season. So some pretty good content coming, and you know, I, I had I had seen in relation to Marvel that you know because I've been I've been really wanting to see the Black Widow movie, even though it's kind of strange that it's coming out now as opposed to a few years ago. Um, but there apparently Disney is still bound and determined to release that in theaters and not as like a premiere access on Disney plus. It really makes me wonder if they're, if they're committing to this as much as they are. It really makes me wonder if they're going to pull like in the new Dr. Strange movie, if, if Scarlet witch and Dr. Strange aren't going to try to find a way to like go into the multiverse and fit black widow from dying. I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, we'll see. Because, like, especially with, and we'll, we'll we'll kind of touch into, I guess this is a somewhat spoiler warning for WandaVision, I suppose, but, but some of the stuff that's happening in WandaVision is basically leading me to believe that um, Scarlet Witch is going to be in the new Doctor Strange movie. And that movie in particular is going to deal in the multiverse, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested in the new Doctor Strange movie, um, not just because of what it's likely going to be dealing with, but I really like the first one. So I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with, uh, with this new one. Cause it, I mean, it just seems like the, the new one is really going to be an important story in the, the next phase of Marvel. So I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. But as far as, as far as our thoughts on WandaVision so far, um, we've kind of talked about it. it might've been in our last podcast about, you know what we've thought of the show so far and i'm gonna tell you at least for me each episode i'm liking it more and more um because the more we're starting to see like different things getting revealed and different um storylines being explained or different questions being explained it's 
it's leading somewhere and it's just it's getting closer and closer to the finale and um i'm just quite interested to see how the the first season will end um so the the latest one for those of you who haven't watched it yet spoiler warning giving you a chance to go watch it before you listen to us talk about it um but the 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 newest one is called breaking the fourth wall and basically it deals with um what happened after the last episode with wanda expanding the um is it the hex? Is that what it's being called? Yeah, the hex. Um, to basically, uh, Darcy's now in it, the scientist that's been trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. A few other people are in it. And uh, so this is kind of the aftermath of that. And it takes place in like the mid to late 2000s. And I immediately, when they do the, they do like a new intro for each episode um, for like the sitcom TV version of WandaVision within one division. Um, and so this one definitely had that feel of the office as far as like the intro goes, like some of the music and the weird, I don't know, going to different scenes and the different faces and whatnot. It just kind of made me think of that and a couple other shows too. Um, so it's getting closer and closer to, I guess, current time. And um, so vision is pretty much already figured out that, you know, something's going on here and that um, I guess he releases Darcy from the spell and um, they try to, uh, they try to escape, I think. Um, and it doesn't work, obviously. And um, let's see what, I'm trying to remember what else happened. I started to nod off towards the end because, because uh, I had just gotten back from a, trip to florida so i was tired but at, i guess at the very end this is what we'll kind of focus on because this was like the big reveal of the episode at the very end um this agnes character that's been kind of you know playing is this this neighbor that just kind of likes to come in every every now and then take care of the kids or see what's going on she's kind of like a nosy neighborish sort of character and it's pretty clear i at least i think from the season so far that there's something there's definitely something about her that is more different than the other people trapped in there. And she reveals at the end that she is Agatha Harkness, um, which if, uh, if you know your Marvel history, which admittedly I, I didn't know who that character was until it was revealed and I had to look it up. But she basically, the this character plays a witch and she... Um, she's the mother of Nicholas Scratch, and she is. She's also played like the nanny protecting Franklin Richards, who's the son of uh, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, and she later mentors uh, Wanda, um, and like helps her grow her powers and and whatnot. Um, she has a a cat-like creature named Ebony, which is able to sense the presence of mystical beings. And so, yeah, I mean, she's a seems like a pretty powerful character. Um, and I guess her first appearance in comics was in 1970 with uh, Fantastic Four number 94. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of weird because I, and I may have been introduced to this character before. I just didn't remember. But I don't for a character that's been around here and there for the past 50 years. I didn't know who it was when it was revealed. Um so yeah, that's kind of how the episode ended. 
and yeah what are your what are your thoughts on i guess not just the you know the show so far but the episode um so i think the so the show had me hooked for i'd say a good uh, until about i think episode five i'd say um because i liked the premise of like um I liked the premise of Wanda like coping with loss and trying to create this, you know, uh, this kind of simulation state in order to, you know, cope with the fact that, you know, she's lost everyone that she's cared about, essentially. And, you know, she's constantly having to change the state of reality in order to, to keep a semblance of sense. You know, like, it, it, it's just a... The, the constant change in era, like, throughout sitcoms and stuff is, like, a, a really cool representation of her mental state and, like, how erratic it is. Um, and, uh, like, that that's really one thing that I really appreciated about the show. But I think, uh, and, and, but once we get, like, once you start bringing in, like, eight, like the, the sword, um, like, sword agents and stuff like that, like, once you start getting them involved with the plot... It gets really uh, hazy and and it, and I'm kind of of the contention, like especially with this second half of like episodes we've been getting, like it's just these these latest episodes have not been super well written, like really, uh, especially this hmm. latest one because okay, so okay, so an episode of what are we on? So we're on episode seven, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's the latest one that just aired. So in episode six, uh, again, spoiler warnings, I suppose, but. Uh, Vision tries to break out of the hex, and he realizes that he is basically bound to the hex. That he is, his physical body isn't isn't real or whatever. Essentially, um, at least whenever he tries to go outside of the hex, and so um, it, which causes which forces Wanda to push the the boundaries of the hex further. So that he doesn't, you know, fade away or whatever, right? So the problem when you start having people trying to enter and exit and re-enter the hex is there's not an a, a established standard with that. And what I mean by that is, so in this latest episode, we have uh, what's her face, Agent Rambo, right? She so it's established in one of the episodes that her exiting and re-entering the hex multiple times has essentially rewritten her DNA. And basically, as a result of this, in the latest attempt, when she tries to re-enter the Hex, she somehow gains superpowers. So, if that's the case, then wouldn't everybody who's been under Wanda's, like, I guess, influence, more or less, who's who've been in the Hex for a prolonged period of time, wouldn't they also have superpowers? Because... The, the Hex is basically rewriting their DNA. And then also, it's like, when it, com- when it pertains to being under the influence of the Hex, you have, in previous episodes, it was established that when Vision would pull them out of the, simu- their, the simulation state, um, they'd be under extreme physical pain, right? That they were like, you know, they were, they were struggling to maintain, you know... Um, to get out of Wanda's grasp or whatever. Um, but when Vision snaps uh, What's-Her-Face, Hacker Lady, 
out of Wanda's influence. She's totally fine. She's not influenced. Like she's not affected at all. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just the the. I'm always fascinated by like um, like maintaining consistency in like when it pertains to world building and stuff and and this show doesn't really do a whole lot of that um and just another thing too that i found it odd that i found odd as well is um so sword so rambo agent rambo basically goes to meet up with this person who was essentially loyal to her mom or whatever um it, it doesn't really explain anything more to it than that and they basically deliver her this huge like industrial like um like military grade um like apc essentially um and she's got this full-on you know like astronaut suit on she's ready to go into the hex and everything and as she's trying to enter it it you know it's you know it's basically not going through and you know it's it's you know giving a ton of resistance and so but it finally goes through and then uh, but she realizes that the hex is changing the ship. So Agent Rambo leaves, right? So the hex spits the truck back out, and half the truck is uh, like a regular pickup truck, and the other half is still a, it's like APC form. So then she then decides, after she's gotten out of the truck, specifically to avoid the hex, that she's then going to run back into the hex, and that's how she gains her superpowers. It's just, you know, it's, it's really strange to me. It's like it, there's not a, there's just like a lack of consistency with how certain things operate in WandaVision. Um, and then, uh, I won't, I won't spend too much, a whole lot of time on this, but, um, when we get to the, the Agatha Harkness reveal, um, she basically brings Wanda into her house because Rambo had basically had a confrontation with her that she was, trying to appeal to her essentially and um while they're in her house right um uh wanda asks where her kids are and um agatha says oh i think they're playing down in the basement so she walks down to the basement and she come only to realize that the basement is like actually a cave and there's all this like mystic weird shit in there uh, and Agatha just shows up and she goes, oh, hey, by the way, I'm not really, you know, a regular person. I'm, you know, Agatha Harkness. And then, you know, reveals that she's basically influencing everything. But I thought, like, the, just the reveal of it, like, the way they did it was just so, I don't know, half-baked, in my opinion. Because it's just towards the tail end of the episode. And it's just, like, the, the reveal for it is just, oh, hey, go down to my basement. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> this super ultra important character and that's how it ends so it's like i don't know mm. yeah i mean i i can understand that i again i just from what little i've read um you know my my only guess for that is that she like wants to help wanda or wants to train her or something um because that's well, kind of it looks like, like how it she does like... it in the comics. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, they may not do it that way. It just may end up being a random way of just trying to hurry it up because they've only got two episodes left. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I mean, I I understand. Um, you know, I, th I think for me, as far as, like, the actual way that she revealed herself, 
kind of, you know, I'm just kind of wait and see how the next, because, I mean, they basically that's how it ended. Once she revealed herself, then the episode was done. Um, so maybe they'll explain that more in the upcoming episode. But um, Yeah, I mean, there might be more substance to it in the next two episodes, but it's like, yeah. again, we're at episode seven in a nine-episode season. We're just now getting this reveal. It's mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, they, they got to do something quick, because, I mean, you know. Yeah, and I'm interested to see if they'll explain why, you know, nobody else in the Hex except for Monica Rambeau was able to get powers that way. Because unless I'm wrong, didn't she already have, like, wasn't she already starting to develop powers even before she got into the Hex as far as, like, well, there, was, there was something in her that was, like, different? Mate. Maybe in, like, Captain Marvel, because I know she's a Captain Marvel character, but mm-hmm. as far as I know, she didn't have powers in Captain Marvel. And and it's and she does have powers in the comics, uh, in the comics because her she, apparently her, her mom is, like, has powers or whatever. But it's never elicited in the show that she has supernatural abilities. And it, it, it basically, from, from my understanding, it's basically contingent on the show saying... Hey, you entering, you exiting and re-entering the hex has caused you has basically rewritten or basically your time in the hex. I don't know if it's contingent upon entering and re-entering. I don't I don't know what the the actual standard is, but it's basically her time in the hex has rewritten her DNA, thus implying that her going into the hex uh, has basically gave her supernatural abilities. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just see how they uh, how they explain it or if they explain it. And maybe they just aren't going too much into it right now because they're going to further develop her in, like, one of the movies or something. Um, like, especially with the next Captain Marvel movie, I'm sure she'll have a more prominent role in that. Because um, I know that she's she's supposed to be, like, Miss Marvel or one of the, one mm. of the versions of uh, Captain I think, Marvel. Yeah. And, like, one yeah. of the comics, like... Uh, Kara, is it Danvers? Is that her name? She dies, and then like Monica takes over, or something like that. So yeah. I don't know how much they'll stick to that, but yeah, um, I, I'm I'm interested to see how they, and maybe that's why, like again, maybe that's why they didn't delve too deeply into it because it's not the show's not really about her, as far as it's about. I mean, she's. She's the one, she's like the, the, the main person that's trying to figure out what's going on inside the hex, I guess. But like ultimately it, you know, the show focuses around Wanda and Vision. Um, so maybe that's why they're not explaining everything um, with her character. But I mean, I do agree that it would be nice to have a more cohesive explanation of, of what's going on uh, because... You know, like if, if you're someone like me that likes Marvel but doesn't know all the characters and all the history, you'll see that reveal and you're like, well, who's that? I don't know who that is as far as the Agatha character. Um, and, you know, it is it is kind of strange when you're getting, you know, like in the last episode, especially with when all the extra characters get sucked into the hex and the only thing that happened to them is they... You know, like their personality changes and they're like in this stance or whatever where they're not really there you know um 
so I don't know if it has something to do with like Wanda herself or someone making it to where certain people are like that. I, I don't know as far as like the difference between them and Rambo, but hopefully we'll get an explanation on that. Cause that would be a plot hole if it's not explained yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, uh, yeah, but one piece of information that I thought you'd find interesting, I don't know if you've seen this yet today, um, but I guess IGN has confirmed, no, not IGN, um, IMDB has confirmed that George Lucas is going to be writing a couple of the episodes in the Cassian Andor series. Hmm, interesting, okay. Yeah, like two episodes, I think. But if you go to their, uh, if you go to the series profile on IMDb and you look up on the under the writers thing, his he's in one of them. And it says writing or writer for two episodes or something like that. Um, yeah. Which that would be, I mean, I'm kind of surprised if that's true. I'm really surprised that that hasn't become a bigger story today because I haven't, I hadn't even seen it. I just was scrolling through like Google News and I happened to see it on a random um, like Inside the Magic website. Um, but th- I mean, that's a pretty big deal if, if the, if he's coming back to write a couple episodes for, uh, well, isn't he contract, uh, contractually, uh, obligated to basically not be a part of, cause I thought it was, it was mentioned somewhere in the writing clause when, uh, whenever they bought out Star Wars that he wouldn't be, um, that he basically wouldn't have creative control over, I mean, I guess he's a writer, so he wouldn't have, I mean, like, I mean, basically the producers and directors can change whatever they want so I mean, yeah i guess him being a writer isn't really you know he yeah doesn't have really a ton of creative control yeah he's not like in charge of the series he's not in charge of yeah. where it goes direction wise but uh yeah i mean it's kind of interesting that he agreed to do that too especially when you consider some of his more recent comments in the past like year or so <laughs> with yeah. the with the sequels and disney and so forth yeah because it you know, as much as I like George Lucas, um, some of the some of the stuff regarding Disney, it just seems to be like contradictory. Because on the one hand, it'd be like these guys are awful, but then on the other hand, he's writing a couple episodes for him, and I don't, I don't know. It... Well, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of that is just corporate speak. I think a lot of that is just like, oh hey, I'm. He, I think it's selective because he, he, you know, he probably hasn't been paid in full. I mean, I can't imagine they just wrote him a check for when how much was it whenever they bought uh star wars at the time four billion yeah like four billion dollars which they got quite a deal on that (laughs) i mean they've more than made their money back on that purchase oh yeah i think they've said with uh the force awakens alone they made their money back uh or at least a good portion of it back they made Um, i think almost half of it back between the movie and the sale like in the merch yeah so So, but um i mean that is reassuring though as far as like because um I mean, Rogue One, in my opinion, was out of all of the Disney, certainly out of all of the Disney um, movies and spinoff movies and stuff. It is definitely the most, like, in my opinion, the most true, the most accurate to what Star Wars is. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and it's 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 good to see. I, th- I mean, I'm I'm happy to see George Lucas coming back for like some kind of role in writing and, and so forth, because I mean, I, he, and he said himself that he, he's not, he doesn't see himself as a director. Um, but he basically did the prequels because 
no one else wanted to do them. They were like, oh, no, this is yours. You do it. And he's like, well, okay, fine, whatever. So he doesn't really like directing anyway. Um, but I've, I've always liked his writing as far as, like, the plot um, and where things eventually go um, with both the originals and the prequels. And um, most of the Clone Wars, I think he, uh, he was involved with, with that series pretty regularly, too. So it, it's nice to see that he's coming back and doing something like that. Um, I'm curious if if he'll do more after that or if he's just like, eh, I'll do these two and I'm done. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to imagine that he would he would be able to stay away from it that long if he had, if he saw an opportunity to come back and do something. It, I don't know. Maybe after some time he would be like, you know, I actually kind of miss this. But... I don't know. I guess it would have to depend on what the project is and who he's working with because I don't know de- depending on what the project is, especially I don't see him actually coming back to write a movie, but maybe like more TV series related things or maybe like something in the Bad Batch or the Ahsoka series, you know, something that has something to do with a project he's already worked on before. But I don't know. Well, I think uh, isn't it already confirmed that he's going to be um uh, doing like basically collab- uh, doing more like collaboration with the Mandalorian because I think that's where a lot of this stemmed from was him basically um, on the set of the Mandalorian with mm. uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and I think yeah. I think like that's where like it, it really seems like hopefully um, you know like again we're gonna, we're probably going to differ on this but hopefully you know with you know. George Lucas having a little bit more control with the TV series aspect of Star Wars that, um, you know, there will be a little bit more uh, consistency within the continuity and stuff. Um, because, I, I mean, I mean, it's George Lucas, man. I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the one who set the standard for the continuity in Star Wars. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely going to be the most, you know, in my opinion, as, as much as, you know, as... As horrible as the dialogue could be sometimes in the prequels, and you know, some a lot of people didn't like the introduction of Metaclorians and stuff. It's like, I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, the the guy has a knack for world building. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like you know, if anyone's gonna do it, you know, it it's him. So, yeah, yeah, no, I I tend to agree as far as I think he's good at at world building and and things like that. Um, you know, I and we've we've talked about this overall topic like so much on this show, but yeah, I mean, it w- it would be good to to see him come back and kind of be, I don't know, able to make something work, or at least take it in a direction that makes sense to what's been done before. And it doesn't even—I don't even mean like you know. Bring back all the old characters. Do all the same things again. No, not that. But just make it feel yeah. like Star Wars again. Make it, okay, well, I could see this happening in Star Wars instead of, wow, this does not make any sense. And they just completely retconned or it feels like they retconned something, you know? So Because, again, I think that's, I think that's been modern Star Wars' biggest issue is, you know, they, they I mean... Other than like may, maybe Rogue One, I can't think like all of the other you know Star Wars movies to some capacity have you know massively violated um, the continuity in some capacity. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I yeah, I think, I mean, what they need, what they absolutely need, especially if they're going to keep continuing, you know, if they're going to continue to make Star Wars content, is to bring George Lucas in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And speaking of Mandalorian, kind of an update on something we talked about, I think, in our last podcast. Did you have a chance to watch the interview that uh, Gina Carano did with Ben Shapiro? I think it was over the weekend, the actress that played Cara Dune in The Mandalorian. I, I think you said that you listened to that. I did, yes. It was uh, actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good to get more than just one side of things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, you know, having a long-form discussion, um, you know, it's, you know, the preferred way to go about, you know, <laughs> yeah, measuring, you know, someone's intent and, you know, their character and, I don't know, it's like... Yeah, no, I mean, I thought the interview was really well done, and... I liked how she was just she was just able for like just over an hour just explain everything that happened not just not just the firing but the you know the controversy surrounding the posts that got her in hot water and what kind of happened behind the scenes with that and what she tried to do to make amends with people and I mean if you just if you just listen to her talk I mean it just doesn't sound like someone who is just a vindictive hateful person I mean she definitely comes across to me as someone that you know i mean she even straight up admitted in in the episode that she's just recently become politically active as far as trying to figure out what exactly she believes and you know what does all this mean and i kind of i kind of respected how she said you know before before recent events she didn't know anything so that's why she didn't ever talk about it um but even even with her her posts like the one about um oh the the beep bop boop one with the transgender thing when she explained that and she even said you know i don't i didn't see it as me having any hate towards the lgbtq community i was just sick of being of people being bullied into you know you have to do x y and z with your twitter profile and she's like no i don't and I guess she explained yeah. she explained that during that debacle. Yeah, wasn't it just something random that she just put in there? It was just like the mm-hmm. beep bop boop. Yeah, it wasn't even yeah. Yeah. And I guess she had met with like I, I can't remember if it was a representative or uh, it was a media trainer. Media yeah, I trainer. remember this. And it was and it was so funny because it's it rings true and it validates everything that you and I, you know, we've been talking about when it pertains to you know, these progressive types, you know, these, these, uh, I know I hate to use the term social justice warrior because it's become so cliche, but I mean, like, I mean, it, it's so true though. I mean, it's the, the, you know, these, these hardcore progressive types who, you know, have to dig through your, you know, your Twitter account and, you know, bring up something you said from, you know, two years or five years or hell, even 10 years ago. Um, but it's like, you know, it just, it validates everything that, you and I have talked about, you know, just in general. And that is like, um, you know, the progressive crowd, you know, the, the, the hardcore leftist crowd that basically make up the social justice warrior camp. Um, they are, they operate primarily on a emotional basis and you cannot, you cannot make a logical argument to them. Um, 
you cannot you, i think she specifically said like uh you can't uh use a logical response to an emotional um reaction uh, reaction yeah. or something yeah it was something to that effect um and i just i i it rang so true because anytime any and and this is purely anecdotal but anytime that i have ever tried to have a conversation with anybody uh primarily primarily this has been the case on on like the hardcore left um you can't use a like lot you can't really engage with them on the basis of objective truth because to them it simply just doesn't exist uh you have to appeal to their truth mm-hmm. and the problem with that is they can change the whole metric for what their truth is on a dime because they believe there you know there is no such thing as objective truth in general so if you're having to appeal to they, what they believe to be true if you're if you are trying to if you are tr- you can't basically you can't you know reach no. out you can't reach to their to what they believe to be subject uh, to what they believe to be true because they can if it's subjective they can just change that metric entirely yeah and if you use the same the same standard against them mm-hmm. you're like well what about my truth what if my truth is different than yours well you know unfortunately it doesn't work that way because in the end when it really boils down to is it's not about your truth versus my truth it's about their truth and if your truth doesn't yeah. line up with it then you know they because don't have purely... they don't have to be consistent with it mm-hmm. they don't have to they've because they they're the ones that write the rules and they can change them if they want to yeah it's so. purely based on identity because again they don't have to if if their truth is based solely around how they identify themselves then they you know basically no no use of logic no use of like logical facts can well i mean it does like using rash you know basically like applying like logic and rationality of things i mean it, it it does impact their their worldview or you know their overall argument but to them it doesn't because it's all purely based on identity right and mm-hmm. again this is why i've i've said it time and time again that you know you have people like aoc the reason why she has beca- she has gained the influence and overall notoriety that she has is not from dealing in the arena of facts or logic but rather dealing in the arena of emotion emotionary response right mm-hmm. like um it, it's anytime you ever anytime you ever try to enter that arena with while using you know objective truth like objective factual evidence um it it, it doesn't it, falls it doesn't on hold deaf any ears. weight yeah. yeah because to them that that doesn't matter that's not part of the equation with them right yeah so you know what would you say let, let me let me play devil's advocate here because i've heard this mm-hmm. argument used a couple of different times in relation yeah, sure. to this this interview and this whole debacle in general what about you know some who would say well look i mean she 
Disney is a private company. They can do what they want. And quite frankly, after listening to this interview, it's pretty clear to me that Gina knew what she was doing and she didn't want to go through all the steps that Disney wanted her to go through to make amends. So therefore, she kind of had it coming. I mean, they can absolutely do that. But the, the, but the problem is it, the buck doesn't stop there, right? It's going to keep that that goalpost is going to keep shifting and it's going to keep shifting and it's going to keep shifting to where it wasn't just about the one thing that it initially started with. It's yeah. going to infect even your own base, your own camp until you until you yourself are booted from the very thing that you so adamantly defended. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I would say that to that too, you know, I don't hear anyone saying that Disney should not be allowed to fire or hire whoever they want. I don't hear that argument in most, you know, circles conversations. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but uh, as far as like the 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 prevailing discussion, you know, around this topic, I don't hear that. What is frustrating for me has always been the double standard because on the one hand, oh yeah, Gina the Gina can Pedro say and, and do these things and and she can get in trouble for it, but if someone that's more politically aligned with the the corporate heads and the elites says virtually the same thing but just with a more leftist slant, then it's totally fine, you know. Yeah, it and, only it, it only flows in one direction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I'm still not even, with that in mind, I'm still not even saying that, you know, Disney should not be allowed to, you know, but at the same time, it's just to, to pretend like it's only one side, to pretend like, well, it's it's her fault, you know, she should have known. Well, to some extent, how are you supposed to know? Because yeah, exactly. if, if you're seeing co-worker, co-workers at the at the very co- same company, very same show that you're on, able to get away with certain things, then how are you supposed to know? Well, obviously, I can't, you know, say anything even close to that. I mean, people do know that, but it's like, where's where's the standard? Where's the consistency? You know, and how are you expected to just be able to keep a job um, when these kinds of things are at play? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I guess it just comes down to, and as is the case, I mean, she even explained at one point during this interview that she was at somebody's house, I think, and they whispered to her, they're like, we actually agree with you. And she's like, why are you whispering mm-hmm, to yeah. me? I'm in your house, you know? Yeah. And I guess it just, it, from my understanding anyway, there's, there's more people in Hollywood that think differently than the prevailing you know prevailing knowledge or prevailing you know ideas they just don't want to say it because they want to keep a job so i guess that's just kind of how you have to approach it if you're a conservative or just someone that's not all the way to the left moderate leaning whatever i don't know it's it's hard to to really know how to work with it because you know, you end up finding yourself just being you're, you're living a double life because well, it basically it basically solidifies everything that we've known about the, you know, the Hollywood culture in general. And that is if you do not fall specifically into the the hardcore, the hardcore progressive left camp, you know, you are ostracized. You are, you know, you know, 
you know, put on display and and heckled and basically canceled, you know, out of your livelihood. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, you know, what Gina was saying, you know, has been saying is not anything wildly, you know, extreme. I mean, the the post that she made about, you know, again, we talked about this on on the on the podcast last time, but it's like, you know, her her comment, her, you know, I think the comparison was overdrawn, sure. But, mm. I mean, again, like you've pointed out, other people have made that same comparison. Other people have used that analogy. Far and, worse. And in my opinion, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and not just that, but in, in far worse taste and, and just not even correctly for that matter. Um, you know, Pedro Pascal being a prime example of that. I mean, you know, he used a, he used a picture of, uh, I think it was somewhere in like Brazil or somewhere, um, and, uh, that basically had a bunch of kids in cages and claimed that it was the the what was happening at the at the border wall essentially and said you know <laughs> basically comparing it to not to Nazi Germany but basically yeah it's it's you know what her initial post was saying though it was that hey maybe we shouldn't hate one another for our political views mm-hmm. it mentioned nothing about being Republican it mentioned nothing about being conservative it just laid out the the framework that hey. Maybe we shouldn't hate one another for our political views. And the Twitter was Bob was like, "What? Oh, no, we can't have that. No, <laughs> can't we can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> You're it's, fired. It's ridiculous. Uh, and you know, and you know, and I really hope this is the final nail in the coffin for the Hollywood industry in general. Because what I think is going to happen within the next fifteen to twenty years, hopefully sooner than that, is that people are going to." You know, people people in Hollywood aren't going to take this anymore. You're mm. going to have more people like Gina who are, who are just fed up with the entire, you know, entire ecosystem of of Hollywood in general. And they're going to go to these, you know, these more independent creators like uh, or, or even just, you know, these these more conglomerates like the Daily Wire or, you know, whoever, these, you know, these these these, you know, somewhat, you know, fairly big YouTube channels and they're going to create content there. And it's become and it's going to become individualized. It's going to be it's going to be catered specifically to the individual. That's what mm-hmm. I think is going to happen with the future of media. Well, I I definitely think that more and more as time goes by, more and more evidence seems to suggest that um, because I had seen that Google Trends released like what has been trending the most um, lately, and Gina Carano has trended more than the Mandalorian and WandaVision lately. Like she's getting more, people are searching for her. They're they're looking Mm -hmm. for her content. They're probably, you know, Mm -hmm. listening. I mean, just the interview alone on YouTube has like, what, 2 million views already. Um, So, I mean, people are just really wanting to know what she has to say. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, I, I mean, I would think this would be kind of an interesting thought is if some of these, some of these people in Hollywood that are kind of like silent, but I, I can't remember the name of the group. There's this, there's this group in Hollywood is kind of like a conservative group where these people meet and it's just like, they just chat, but it's like a secret thing where no one knows who they are and they belong to this, this club or whatever. But basically people like that, if they eventually have enough and they decide, you know what, let's gather together and let's create our own type of like platform to make content mm-hmm. because we make we make these things 
we're a part of this process. Why don't we just do it ourselves? I could see something like that happening, which I think would be pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I agree. I think, I think the more things like this happen, the more it's just going to drive people to just break away from it, you know? And it's kind of similar, and I don't want to get too much into politics here, but it's kind of similar to the the Trump phenomenon as far mm-hmm. as yeah, voters this is getting... Yeah, snowball effect, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. voters getting so tired of the elites that they just decide, you know what, screw it, I'm going to vote for this guy that just wants to shake everything up. And, you know, whether it's that, whether it's... You know, people, even people that support Ocasio-Cortez, you know, I disagree with her on almost everything, but some of the people that follow her, follow her because she seemed, or at least mm. she used to seem, when she, when she ran, seemed like someone that didn't want to have anything to do with these elite Democrats mm. that just... The actual establishment. Yeah. Um, and she actually wanted to get things done. So there's clearly a hunger on all sides, not just the right, but on the left, the center for people that are just authentic and just aren't going to just, you know, sit by and take it. So I think, I think we could very well see within the next five years, maybe sooner than that, um, some kind of movement growing of, of not necessarily a political movement, but just a movement to do their own thing and make their own kind of content. Um, so yeah, and 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 this is this is going to be spe- this is going to be really important, specifically to conservatives, to um, libertarians, to hell even you know centrist types. Um, I mean, we got to make people like Chino Carano rock stars. We mm-hmm. have to we have to push because th- this is the this has been the problem with the conservative libertarian and and even the the centrist camps. Is they have opted out of the culture war. They're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, we're just not going to participate in it. Culture, who needs that, right? Like, <laughs> who cares? You know, as long who as cares? as long as we're the smartest person in the room, whatever, no big deal. But that's not the case anymore. Like, we we can't keep existing in in that with that mindset. We can't we can't just keep opting out of the culture war because it's clear that the progressive leftist camp is winning. They mm-hmm. have they are in control of these huge institutions. They basically, you know, own all of the, you know, the leading, you know, intellectual properties and franchises, and they're running them into the ground. We 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 cannot just keep checking out anymore, right? Well, yeah, yeah. It it actually that just made me think of um, the example of of Rush Limbaugh, um, who passed away just a few days ago. Um, but regardless of what you think of his of his political views as far as as far as what he did in the radio industry he did pretty much what we're talking about because during that Mm -hmm. time all you were getting was one side and if you were a conservative then you had to have somebody else on the other side too and you weren't just allowed to be authentic you weren't allowed to just say what you want to say and he just shook it up and it's like no i'm gonna do this and instead of just saying, well, I'm just not going to participate. I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. He instead decided, no, I'm actually going to do what I love. And I'm going to figure out a way. It took him a long time, but he figured out a way to to make his own to make his own way. And a lot of the people that we listen to and hear today, a lot of those people would not have jobs if 
he hadn't done that. So it's yeah, like, it, it's kind of like take that and apply it to this. If we just cop out of, you know, the culture war, entertainment, all these different things, if we don't even want to participate, well, it's called a war for a reason. If one side gives up, then you automatically make the other side win. So you've got to participate at some level, you know, and I'm not saying yeah, that, exactly. that you need, you need to have a Netflix subscription because if you don't, then I'm not saying that I'm just saying you can't just go into silent mode and not, not even try uh, to make your voice heard. Um, I've heard, I heard it said, you know, you got to demand a seat at the table instead of just not even trying to show up. Yeah, absolutely. So. And again, and I, and I use this example a lot, you know, AOC, the reason why she was able to get her following is because she engaged with, you know, the culture. She engaged with, you know, just the, the you know, the, you know, she, it really captured, you know, the use of, you know, live streaming and, you know, heavily using social media to, you know, interact with her base, you know, you know, to cultivate a following. She has used, you know, I, I think Twitch has become kind of a, a somewhat a regular thing for her now. Um, and you know, and I, and I have been using a lot of, you know, we, but I particular have been going pretty hard on her and, I'll, and I will give her some credit. You know, she, she does seem genuine with some of the stuff that she's been doing. I mean, she, uh, I saw that she raised, uh, a, I think somewhere around like, um, I want to say like 2 million or 3 million for, for those who lost power in Texas. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give her a little credit where it's due, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. So if I, I mean, again, I'm not saying that she's this horrible, awful person that needs to be deplatformed. But I do think there needs, the problem is there's nothing keeping the other side in check, right? Like it, it seems, especially more so with uh, when it pertains to culturally, there's, there's no, there's no, you know, slightly left wing, ver you know, or slightly, you know, to the, slightly to the right of the hardcore progressive camp figure that's, you know, railing against that camp, right? There's 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 nobody. There's no prominent figure. There's no like right wing, or, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be right wing. Just somebody who's you know a fairly conservative. It's a traditional no, traditional yeah, liberal, you know. Yeah, there is no traditional liberal that is that that's prominent in you know the the mainstream cultural scene. There's there's nobody. No, I mean, and you know, there's, there's, I've heard it said too that, well, you know, at least, at least people on the left, at least they don't turn on their base. And so, well, you know, and the more I think about it, that is true, but I think another reason why they don't, um, they're so quote unquote unified is because some of the, on their own side don't actually agree with them, but they're terrified of saying anything. So they just don't say anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's a little more to it than that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. So um, to wrap it up here, I, I kind of wanted to talk about something we hadn't really discussed yet. This had just this had just come out today, but so and we've I, I think we may have even touched on this before, as far as like violent video games and how they keep getting correlated to different violent crimes that that happen. Goody. Yeah. So there is another a another one of these. <laughs> yes, there's another one of these. So a Chicago lawmaker has proposed proposed a bill 
to ban the sale of violent video games like Grand Theft Auto. Um, and this what is would... this, the early 2000s again? Like, what, what are we yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, so a Democrat representative, Marcus Evans Jr., introduced a bill that will amend the city's 2012 law that prevents the sale of violent video games to minors to be expanded into a full ban. So I didn't know this, but I guess right now in Chicago, um, if you're if you're under 18, you are not allowed to buy any sort of violent video game. And I guess they have described it as... Um, what do they deem to be violent exactly? So uh, they they are describing it as any video game that quote allows a user or player to control a character within the video game that is encouraged to perpetuate human on human violence in which the player kills or otherwise causes serious physical or psychological harm. So not just physical harm but psychological harm to another so human or animal. How do you determine first of all how do you determine how do you determine like psychological harm to a uh, an a NPC to a basically a <laughs> AI character? How do you how do you how what metric do you use that can objectively like qualify that? Uh, I, I I don't know. It's it's crazy. I guess um, we've the... entered like the fucking twilight zone, man. We're like you know like up is down and you know left <laughs> is right and you know it's. Well, I, I don't know about you, man, but whenever I play Lego Star Wars, I just whenever those those Lego bricks just explode after hitting them with a stick, that just traumatizes me, you know. And yeah, sometimes it's, it makes me want to go out there. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it makes me want to go out there and beat someone to death, you know. And, and I just have to stop myself. I'm like, no, wait, this is Legos. I can't do that, you know. I, I'm not for some reason this game controls my mind and it just makes me want to do this. Um, but yeah, so I guess. And, I mean, you know this, I know this, we all know this, but the uh, the Entertainment Software Association released a, a study, I think it was last year or the year before, basically showing that, you know, as the interest in sale of, of violent video games has gone up since uh, 98 to 2015, violent crime among youths has actually gone down dramatically. Um, which, you know, if you violent just crimes against youths, vi like youth, like in general, okay, gotcha. yeah. So basically it's saying that, yeah, we're more violent video games are being made, but less violent crime in these demographics are being committed, which, yeah, exactly. Which, you know, it, you would think if, if you're being told by people like this this democrat idiot that you know these these and the the reason he proposed this get this the reason he proposed this bill is because there's been an increase in carjacking carjackings in Chicago and he's blaming it on grand theft auto so and how it immediately means that it's 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 all due to freaking video games like god <laughs> yeah exactly it's such a cop-out for like it's just, you know what i mean it's like people did this with freaking music you know back in the the 60s and 70s people did this with film back in the 80s uh it's just the the blame constantly you know it, it's the constant like straw man it's just it, you know the, the constant scapegoat it just changes it, it changes yeah. from one medium to the other and it's just like it's just another example of this, man. I mean, again, there's hardcore empirical evidence, data that suggests that you know 
video games do not correlate to you know increases in violent crime it just it doesn't happen yeah there's no there's no legitimate scientific data that suggests that and hasn't for an extremely long time mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i you know i'm i'm of the opinion that you know constantly being around it especially like the the more gory material at a young age isn't healthy psychologically but i still don't think that you know just because you play you know grand theft auto or you know bloodborne or something like that that automatically means that you're just going to go out and and just murder someone because it's, it's one thing to see it on a screen it's another thing to actually get up go out and actually commit that you know and it's just i i don't well, I mean, already said it. I mean, there's there's evidence that proves that that is not a thing. So, yeah, I mean, if you saw Alien as a kid, I'm sure you're probably not a menace to society. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm willing to bet hardcore money that you are probably an okay person. You well, know what I mean? unless you liked the movie, then you might be a menace to society. <laughs> but well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know because I've not seen it. But you know, <laughs> but Oops, yeah, it. Yeah. It's so lame. It it really is. It feels like, you know, we. Uh, it's like the, it, it's like we're back to the the pearl clutching days. It's like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Well, I remember this from the from the school shootings during the Obama years too. Uh, it just seems like every five to ten years we have to revisit the same topic yeah. over and over again, and it's just like, come on, guys. You know, as much as as much as these people love to cling to their science with COVID, apparently they don't want to have anything to do with science as it relates to uh anything else so, yeah exactly. well and even then like the science they use for that correlates to covid is so is on such shaky ground at best and we know this now i mean it's not it's not up to, to debate anymore i mean there's there's so much you know there's so much new information that's come out that's re that's revealed that like basically every metric we've used for covid has just been you know like you know, on incredibly shaky ground at best. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, that's that's for that's, a that's the understatement of the day. Yeah. But yeah, but that's <laughs> that's another topic for you know another another time, I guess. But um, but yeah. yeah, it's just you know again, it's just like these politicians want their scapegoat, and I mean, and hell, like if anything, there's there's been a ton of data that suggests that like. Gen Zers aren't really even playing video games that much. Mm. It's all, you know, rather on TikTok or, you know, Instagram or Snapchat. I mean, it, it, like they're more they're more ingrained to using like just general social media rather than playing video games. Um, yeah, I think part of that too is because some of the it just feels like the quality in games has gone down in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like compared yeah. to how it used to be. I'm not saying that that's like across the board. Obviously, there's mm -hmm. good games that have been made, but it just seems like there are fewer... the ratio, the, uh, the you know, yeah, the at least for the me, quality, the quality versus quantity thing very much applies to. It. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and it could just be me, but I, I mean, I see a lot of games that are made, but there's not very many of them I'm actually interested in. So yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like movies. It's kind of like TV shows. The more that gets made, the less I'm interested in them. So maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for our show today. We did it a little bit longer than we have in the past few weeks. We usually do about yeah, 40 or so bit, minutes. You know? So, yeah. And we were thinking, well, Spencer was thinking. He had his doubts that we wouldn't be able to have enough time to talk about different things. But I had faith in the system. I had faith in... Hey, don't uh, you try to throw me under the bus now. Oh. No, I, I mean if we're if we're going under the bus, I'm dragging you with me. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that's yeah, my motto. That's that is definitely what I call teamwork, right there. If yeah, one of us is going to go down, we're dragging <laughs> the other one with us. So that that is why we've been so successful at this. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for tuning into our podcast today. If you would make sure to give us a subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to us on with podcast. And if you have the ability to make sure and give us a five star review and rating or rating and review, however, whichever order you want to want to do it, but just make sure and give us a review. So that way that just helps us grow and gets the word out about the show and be sure to share it with your friends and family and whoever likes to listen to good podcasts, because if they want to listen to crappy podcasts, they can listen to Joe Rogan. But if they want to listen to good yeah, podcasts, exactly. they, they can listen to Wired In. Yeah, Joe Rogan's a moron. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that's it's not like the, he has like millions of followers or anything. No, I mean, I mean come on. Even Spotify couldn't keep him. Yeah. Or YouTube, whoever it was. <laughs> YouTube couldn't keep him. So that's how bad he was. YouTube had to get rid of yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. See? Yeah, that's, 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 exactly. Why, that's why you need to be listening to us. It's exactly. Exactly. Now, we're not on YouTube, but if we were, it would be amazing. So, we would be slaying it. That's all I'm saying. We would be slaying it. We're just trying to give everyone else a chance to succeed, yeah, and then exactly. one, one day we'll come in and wipe the floor with them. So we'll see you next week, uh, hopefully next week, granted it as long as I don't take another trip somewhere. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you on, on the other side. Hopefully not death, but hopefully it's on the other side of, uh, of the next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys.